Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to what is going to be a solo episode of the podcast. I feel like it's been a little while since I've done one, a few weeks. But it's great to be here. This is actually my last episode of 2022. How crazy is that? Um, before we start, obviously, I just wish everybody who celebrates it a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year as well. And I hope that everyone is doing good. For those of you that are in the UK at the moment, it is freezing. I've just got back from a dog walk and I am absolutely frozen. It's so cold, but also quite nice you know refreshing and the sun is shining it's it's really beautiful outside um but yes okay before I um jump into today's episode I wanted to just remind you of the listener discount that I have on all of my courses you can find the link and the code the discount code down in the info below um also just to remind you I'm now booking up until April for my courses Um, this obviously won't age too well if you're listening to this past April but please do follow the links below and you can check out all of my group courses that are coming up as well as the other courses that I offer as well. Today's episode is a listener Q&A. So I asked on my Instagram for some questions that you have about birth and I'm going to answer them for you. So let's start. So the first question that I have is somebody asked me for any tips that I have for passing urine during labor. So it's really important that you stay hydrated during your labor because as we know, our body, our muscles, everything works much better when we are properly hydrated. And a good comparison and a good comparison to make is with any kind of exercise that you do. So if you were going to run, you know, a marathon or something like that, then you would want to be adequately hydrated in order to perform the best that you can that's what your body needs so it's the same in labor it's a very physical activity so you need to be properly hydrated so please do make sure that you are taking regular sips of water or perhaps an energy drink to give you that little bit of energy in terms of going to the toilet it's also really important that you do empty your bladder throughout your labor um, because if your bladder gets kind of too big without being emptied it can actually get in the way of the baby a little bit so you want to make sure that you are regularly emptying your bladder ideally every couple of hours um, I would say going to the toilet make you know making sure that you are attempting uh, to urinate if you are having trouble going to the toilet which can sometimes happen then what they can do is they can help you by using a catheter um, and they can do this at home they can do it in hospitals as well obviously um they don't need to actually attach an actual catheter they can just use a catheter to empty your bladder and then you can kind of carry on as you were so my biggest tip would just be to regularly uh make the effort to go to the toilet and perhaps that's something that you could brief your birth partner on because you probably won't remember that um, during your labor but perhaps your birth partner could keep an eye on it and make sure that you are going to the toilet every couple of hours also your midwife or your caregiver will most likely also be making sure that you are regularly going to the toilet as well the next question that I have is how to make a partner your advocate so 
The first thing that I'm going to say, which is probably going to be of no surprise, is I really, really would encourage them to do a course with you. So if you are planning on doing a hypnobirthing course of some sort, which I do encourage you to do if you can, I would definitely be trying to get your partner to attend as well. The majority of people that I teach, it is them and their partner. Sometimes their partner doesn't come and they might be working, um, you know, they, they just might not be able to attend. And obviously if I have single parents, then you're more than welcome to bring along who is going to be your birth partner. It can be a mum, a friend, somebody that is going to be there to help support you. It was, it's definitely beneficial. And I've had mums come to the course with their daughters before um, because they are going to be supporting them. So that would be the first thing I would say is do a course, get them to do a course because then they will fully understand all about hypnobirthing, all about birth and all about how they can support you. I think one of the biggest kind of barriers with partners particularly men not to generalize but particularly men is that I think the idea of hypnobirthing and the name it puts a lot of people off but I think once they understand how it works what it's about it's very logical and often you know they are straight on board with it so definitely if you can get them to attend a course listen to this podcast I mean they could listen to that as well if if they or if you're not planning on doing a course then just listening to this podcast or listening to a select few episodes the birth partner one's obviously particularly great and then also you know reading any books or anything like that there's a really great book that I've talked about many times it's in the um birth partner episode that I did with Sally Ann Beresford but it is her book it's really really good book on birth partners so I would always encourage that as well that is actually linked below already under my book recommendations other than that just make sure that you are communicating with them regularly so make sure that you know when it's time to write your birth preferences you sit down with them and you write them together and you make sure that they understand what's important to you and what's not and the ways in which they can advocate for you and really make sure they understand how they can be on your side and then when it comes to packing your birth bag and things like that you know do that together so that they know where things are so that they feel involved and that they feel a big part of the journey as well and that will help them to advocate for you and know what's important to you and be able to voice that at the time if they need to. The next question is, how do you deal with regret in your birth? This is a a really tough one. Um, You know, it's very personal. And when it comes to birth and childbirth, we, you know, we can sometimes feel a bit of regret maybe about a decision that we've made, something that we've not done, something that we should have felt we should have done. All I would say is if you are feeling like you have any form of regret for how your birth went, definitely seek help with that. Um, You know, birth trauma, it's a really big thing. And giving birth is such a huge thing in your life that it really can affect you for a long, long time. So I would definitely recommend getting help. A really great program that you can look into is called Three Step Rewind. I'll leave a link below, but you can just Google it. And there's lots of different practitioners that offer this sort of, um, it's, a, it's a form of therapy, but it is there specifically to help with birth trauma. So although the word that you used in the question was regret, I would say that would link in with birth trauma. Um, so really understanding and working through that can help. Also, 
always, if you can, seek out a debrief from your hospital. They offer this as a service where you can go back in, you can talk to your midwife or um, you know, a, a higher up midwife and they go through your birth with you, what happened at each point, why things happened. So that can really help you if you're wondering why something happened why did this happen? Have I made the wrong choice? Going back through everything might help you realize why actually at the time it was the right choice. So definitely seek that out as well. And then another thing that you can do that might help is you can actually request your maternity notes from the hospital. So it's just a a freedom of information. You are completely, perfectly entitled to your maternity notes. So you can request them. Every single hospital you should be able to do this with. Um, so you go, you get your notes. I have both sets of my maternity notes and it talks through all of your maternity care. Um, so each time that you visited a, a midwife or you went for a scan or blood test or anything like that throughout your pregnancy. But then it also has all of your birth notes in it as well. So throughout your birth, your midwife or your caregiver will be making notes about everything that's happening so you can look back through all of those and understand kind of what's being said what's happening at what point so that could also help you as well okay somebody's asked for an explanation of breathing the baby out so okay let me talk you through this kind of second stage and this idea of just breathing the baby out Basically, throughout our body, we have lots of different ejection reflexes. So, you know, things that we do every single day, we sneeze, um, you know, we we wee, we poo, uh, vomiting, that's also an ejection reflex. And it's our body's way of getting rid of something that it doesn't need anymore. So if you think about if you vomit, um, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but if you think about if you vomit, it's something that you cannot stop. You know it's happening. Like We all know that feeling, don't we? We can't stop it. It's it's our body ejecting something. Same if you need to go to the toilet. Your body just gets rid of it. We also have a fetal ejection reflex, which works in the same way in that it will eject your baby when it doesn't need it anymore. When your baby's ready to come out, your body actually will get rid, you know, get rid of your baby. It will eject your baby. So logically and physiologically speaking, you don't actually need to do anything during that second stage because your body actually has the capability of doing everything that it needs to. Now, if we liken it to going for a poo, when you need a poo, you don't really need to do anything, do you? You need to just take yourself off to the toilet, sit down because that's the best position to be in to do a poo. And you just need to to wait for your body to do what it needs to do. And it's actually very, very similar. And the reason that we talk about breathing the baby out is because breathing really helps to kind of focus your attention on what's happening, on those surges that are pushing your baby down. Um, And it helps to encourage your body to do that process because you are focusing on that and you are breathing and breathing helps so much like it helps us stay calm, it helps us focus, it helps us relax. So it helps during that stage. So I that's kind of an explanation, I guess, of um, of how to breathe the baby down rather than pushing. What we're so used to seeing on television is people pushing the baby out. So laying on their back, chin on chest, forcefully pushing. But if you think about that in the same kind of situation of if you were doing a poo, that's Firstly, it's not necessary if the the baby and the the poo are ready to come out, then it's actually not totally necessary to 
push with that much force, your body actually, if it's ready, should just be able to do it. Um, obviously, there is an element of doing the odd little push or odd bear down in order to encourage the baby out, which if that feels right, then then that's okay. Um, the thing that I would try if you could to avoid is the coached sort of chin on chest forced pushing because often it's not necessary and it can do extra damage um, to yourself in terms of kind of tearing or anything like that. So that would be one thing that I would do. And obviously being mindful of your posture and position and kind of trying to stay as upright as you can to allow gravity to also help in that process. Someone's asked, what do contractions really feel like? This is a very tricky one because it's obviously it's a sensation. So everyone's perception of a sensation is very different how I experience things are completely different to how other people experience things I guess the most sort of common comparison would be a a period type cramp um, which you know would and can be a very uh, a very similar sort of feeling Um, I actually experienced with my first birth I actually experienced all of it in my back I didn't actually experience any of it in my front. It was mostly in my back. But actually, when I think back to sort of period cramps, which I've had throughout my life, I actually don't get them anymore. I don't know whether that's since having children, but I actually don't get any kind of period pains anymore, which is, um, I, I definitely used to. So who knows why that why that happens. But they, I actually used to get them in my back. So when I had a sort of back labor, it didn't really surprise me because I think that's where I felt those sort of period cramps as well. Uh, but all I would say is I wouldn't put too much worry or too much thought into how they feel because you can't actually really be prepared for how they feel because as I said it's just a sensation and everyone's perception is going to be different you're going to have somebody that tells you they are the worst thing ever they are so painful etc etc and then you'll have somebody that's like well, I wouldn't describe it as painful. You know, I'd say it just felt a bit uncomfortable or it was a sensation or I really enjoyed it. You, you know, you have two sides of the scale. I would focus instead on the things that you can do to help manage them. And that will in turn help them feel better. So if we relax, if we breathe, that those things help those kind of uncomfortable sensations feel more manageable. So those things can help you with that okay next question is how does hypnobirthing encourage a shorter labor is it because the body is more relaxed yes pretty much I mean okay so hypnobirthing doesn't guarantee a shorter labor it can as you said in the question help encourage a shorter labor definitely doesn't guarantee it though but the the way it works is, you know, relaxed body, relaxed mind can definitely help. I mean, I've said it already, but the body works best when we're relaxed and when we're not trying to fight it. So one of the things that can encourage a longer labor is being in fight or flight kind of emergency response mode, which we see quite often and is actually quite common during labor because when we're very fearful of something or we feel scared or we feel unsure or unsafe, a lot of the time we go into this fight or flight response. It's just our body's natural you know, protection for us is to put us into this fight or flight because although you might be, for example, in a hospital, which you know really is a, a perfectly safe uh, place to be, you're not in imminent danger but 
you might be in a hospital, you might be able to hear other people around you, you might have people that you don't particularly know in your room, there might be bright lights, strange smells, all of those things, even if we don't totally realise it, can put us into our emergency response because they're all unfamiliar. And so before our body relaxes, it needs to assess this environment. You know, is it safe? It's a new, different, unfamiliar environment. So we're in emergency response mode, which means we have adrenaline pumping around our body. And the body does that so that, you know, we have enough energy to fight or run away. That's one of our kind of um, life-saving mechanisms that we have, which is incredible and amazing. And, you know, a great uh, skill that that we have as human beings and as mammals. But it's not really necessary during labor. So if you're in fight or flight mode, what the body does is it, it takes all of the oxygen and the blood away from the organs and the muscles that it doesn't actually need to survive and it pumps it into the muscles that it does need so just a few of the kind of organs and muscles that the body needs just purely to survive the brain the heart uh, the arms and the legs it needs to to fight and to run away so the oxygen and the blood goes there and one of the places it gets taken from is the uterus because it doesn't actually need the uterus in order to survive. You know, the human body can survive without it. So if you're in labor, you want the blood and the oxygen in your uterus because that's going to help the muscles. So if it gets taken away, your uterus is still doing what it needs to do. It's still contracting, but it doesn't quite have everything it needs. So it can make the process slower um, and it can make it perhaps more uncomfortable as well because we don't it's not working kind of as it is designed to and your body's kind of in protection mode where it's it's slowing it down so that you don't potentially give birth in a place that is dangerous so you know the body's incredibly clever as we know already but the fact that we have the you know these systems within our body um to protect us is incredible so that can be one of the reasons why labors can be longer Typically in hypnobirthing, if you do hypnobirthing, you typically get taught how to stay in your calm response. So you get taught how to avoid going into this fight or flight mode. And some of the techniques for that is relaxation, you know, breathing, positive affirmations, visualizations. And we teach all of that in hypnobirthing course. So it helps you stay in your calm response, which in turn makes sure that your uterus has all of the blood and the oxygen that it needs in order to work effectively, which therefore can make labor shorter and can make it more comfortable. So that is one of the reasons. So that is why hypnobirthing can encourage a shorter labor. Another question is, can you decline a vaginal examination upon arrival at a hospital? Firstly, yes, like yes, definitely big yes. You can decline a vaginal examination at any point in any in any setting you don't have to have any vaginal examination so absolutely um, and then they, the end of the question was you know wait basically until you are back in the zone so yes is the simple answer to all of that if you have decided that you are happy to accept vaginal examinations whether it's all of them that are offered routinely or whether it's just the odd one or two it's completely up to you if you don't want to have that until you feel like you are comfortable within that hospital until you feel like you have settled back into your zone you feel calm then of course you don't have to and just to kind of reiterate what I've already said 
here today but also what I've said numerous times probably on this podcast is like you don't have to have any vaginal examinations if you don't want any you don't have to have any they are completely a choice of yours and you have to be able to consent to them you do not have to have one Another question is home births have been suspended in my area due to staff shortages. How can I deal with the disappointment? Uh, This is, yeah, I mean, this is something that is happening at the moment and it has been happening for the last couple of years because of COVID, but also just because particularly obviously in the UK, we are just very short staffed of midwives. The NHS, as we all know, is... um, yeah not kind of doing too well at the moment so unfortunately this is sometimes happening in some areas if they don't have the staff then they you know they suspend the home birth service so there's a really really good affirmation that I think would be really helpful for you and for anybody that feels disappointed in you know any aspect of their birth plan changing because that is one thing that that's one thing that's definitely for sure is that labor is never guaranteed you know we we things change and labor doesn't typically follow a um a set plan you know things can change so there's a really good affirmation which is i know what i can control and let go of what i can't and it's a really nice affirmation because it's it's saying you know the things that i cannot en- no no longer control I let go of and instead I focus on the things I can control so you can't control the fact that home births have been suspended unfortunately but what can you control so okay you have some options you could if you chose to have a free birth which would mean that you could stay at home that would also mean that you would not have a medical professional there but that's an option. I'm not saying that that is necessarily the correct option for you, but it's an option. Also, you know, perhaps you then will go to a midwife-led unit. Well, in that environment, what can you control? So if that is your option, is to go to a midwife-led unit, what can you then control? Think about your environment. Think about the language that people use. Think about the people that are in your space, in your room. You can control all of those things. So start thinking about the things that you can control because unfortunately, some things are just out of our hands. And when it comes to childbirth, as much as we can plan for our ideal perfect birth, we know that we can't guarantee it's gonna go that way. You can do all the planning that you want which is great. And I encourage everybody to plan, to visualize, to educate themselves. But sometimes birth does not follow our plan. So being able to let go of those things you can't control and instead focus on the things that you can control is really great to helping you still be able to have a very positive birth experience. Somebody has asked, what is the difference between the up and down breathing? Okay, so um, also the calm, it's also called the calm breathing and then the birth breathing as well. So there's two, two different breathing techniques. The up breathing or the calm breathing is to use during your first stage of labor, which is when your cervix is dilating. So typically the longest kind of stage of your labor. Um, and the idea behind the calm or up breathing is that you are relaxed, that, you know, every part of your body, your jaw, you know, your stomach, everything, your shoulders is relaxed. 
And you do the breathing technique through the surges to kind of help you get through those surges, to help you remain calm and focused and your body relaxed through those surges. The up part of it, so the reason it's called the up breathing is because during that time, the surge, what the surges are doing is they are moving your cervix upwards. They're pulling it upwards because that's what happens when it dilates. It gets pulled up and around the side of the uterus. So we visualize and we think of things moving upwards because visualization helps the body do what it's doing. So if we can visualize things moving upwards during those surges, that can really help with what the body's doing. And that's one of the reasons it's called the up breathing technique. The same with the down breathing technique. So the down breathing or the birth breathing is to use during your second stage of labor when your baby is actually being born. So if you think about what's happening in that stage, the baby is going downwards. It's moving downwards and coming out. So we want to be focusing on things moving down. So the down breathing and the birth breathing is still a very relaxed state you know your body's very relaxed but it's a little bit more focused so you are breathing with your body basically and again like another good way to practice this and to kind of have a go at it so you can see what I mean is when you're on the toilet um so next time you go to the toilet sorry to keep talking about toilets but unfortunately when it comes to birth we sometimes need to talk about these things next time you go to the toilet to defecate to go for a poo Try doing the down birth breathing as you're going for a poo. And you can really see how it helps move that down and out. And what I would say, I'm not going to do the up and down breathing or explain it on here because it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast. But go onto YouTube and just search them and you'll see videos of how they're done. And you can see the difference between the two. But they're both obviously a kind of similar breath. They, they're slightly different in, you know, the up breathing, you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then the down breathing, you, you breathe in through your nose for different counts. So they are slightly different, but they are both there for kind of different parts of your labor to, to use them for different parts of your labor. The up breathing typically helps you you stay calm. So that's why it's good for that first stage of your labor because it's helping you to to remain calm and to relax your body as well. Okay, and then lastly, somebody has asked, is home birth with high blood pressure a wise choice? So to be honest, you can choose whatever you want to do. So if you want to be at home and you have high blood pressure, then you can be at home. The biggest things that I would be asking if I were you, because I don't know your specific situation. I don't know how high your blood pressure is, whether it's on the on the cusp or whether it's uh, kind of higher than that. The biggest things I would do is I would ask, you know, I'd firstly find out kind of what your situation is. So, you know, are you are you quite extreme or is it quite, um, you know, just a tiny little bit over the threshold? Um, I would firstly find that out. I would ask your own caregiver kind of their opinion or their advice on birthing at home with your high blood pressure. If they say, you know, no, we don't recommend it. I would really try to understand why they're saying that. So ask them for, you know, what it is that they are concerned about if you're at home. Um, You know, really try and get to the bottom of the reason they're saying no. 
if they're just saying no because that's kind of their standard reply or because that might just be easier for them that's not really good enough you want to understand why what what the risk is to you personally Um, and then you can assess that you can decide whether that risk is acceptable to you or not it could be a very small risk of something happening that actually I'm I'm willing to accept that but you can also ask you know if you are in a hospital what can they do in a hospital that they can't do at home like what is the reason that it's not in my best interest to be at home what what can they do in a hospital that's different and if there is something then ask the question of how can we implement that at home you know is there anything that I can do at home to help keep my my uh, blood pressure stable while I'm in labor so I definitely say it's it you know it's not not a wise choice to be at home it throws I guess an extra complication in there in terms of you just might have to have some more difficult conversations but nothing's ever out of the question and it's all just it's going to be different for each person so for somebody yeah absolutely might not be the right choice but for somebody else actually might be kind of a marginal rise in your in your blood pressure but being at home actually for you is going to help keep you calmer so that's going to help keep your blood pressure down um, and it's going to help keep you more relaxed so you've got to look at kind of the full picture really understand what the pros are and the cons are of of not being at home but also what the pros and the cons are of being at home and compare them and then make your informed choice also definitely if you're interested in home birth then read a book on home birth and there is a really good book which I'm sure is also linked in my book recommendations below um so have a little look at that but it's a book on home birth and if you're interested in home birth at all then I would definitely recommend you to read about it um and this goes obviously for everybody listening because sometimes we have in our mind this preconceived idea about home birth and actually I think a lot of people would be very surprised at how safe home birth is if they read you know, a proper, informed, factual, evidence-based book on it and not just, we just go by this kind of narrative that we hear about being at home and how hospitals are the safest place in the world. Um, so, you know, being at home actually for many people is is safer than being in a hospital. So have a look at that, read that, get yourself informed and then you can make a choice that's right for you. And that's the main thing really. So thank you so much to everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope any of you that have asked questions, I've answered them and I've answered them okay. I'll try and do, I did do another one of these. I think it was last year. I'll try and do more Q&As because I think people do like them. Uh, But this, as I said, is my last episode of 2022. So thank you so much to everybody that's listened this year. We are almost at a million downloads. It's crazy. Um, I'm, I'm well by the time this goes out I'm about 30,000 downloads off of a million which is which is I mean it's just I can't get my head around it um it's just you know a little old podcast that I started so it seems crazy so thank you so much for the support and for for listening and for messaging me and for just giving great feedback and and supporting me I really do appreciate it it's been a really good year um, I feel like you know the podcast is is has done well. It's got lots of um, lots of listens and reached lots of people. And hopefully, 
changed a lot of people's perspective on birth and their birth itself so a big big thank you I'll be back in January with the rest of this season and I've got some birth stories coming up I've got some really interesting uh, guests coming up and also um, some more episodes with just me I'm going to be doing another relaxation episode for you guys so that you have that as well Um, but a big big thank you I hope as I said at the beginning everybody has a lovely Christmas if you celebrate it and also a, a very happy new year as well and I will see you in 2023 goodbye